HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is presented by New York Mutual Trading. This week on Meet and 3, we get ready for Super Tuesday by looking at how food shapes elections both at home and abroad. People know that you don't order a Philly cheesesteak with Swiss cheese as John Kerry did back in the 2004 cycle. A young group of friends decided that they would put up a website which told voters which polling booths had sausages. Prime Minister David Cameron was pictured about a week after this incident eating a hot dog in a bun with a knife and fork because he was so afraid. Tune in to Meet in 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. How are you? I am excellent. How are you doing, dude? I'm good, but what, what have you been up to this week? You, uh, you put out another episode of Bar None? Yep, we got another episode of Bar None on the books. The Hemingway Daiquiri uh, is out now, talking about um, the relationship between Constante Vert, who invented the drink, and Ernest Hemingway, who is, for better and for worse, forever associated with the mixture of <laughs> rum, lime, grapefruit, and maraschino. Uh, it's, it's an interesting story, because they could not have been less similar and yet they kind of you know were thrown together in this weird way in, in mixological history which is I mean they got mixed together exactly exactly that's mixology that? right there buddy <laughs> boom that's the tag should in, put that in, in the episode yeah in the um, in the episode do you talk about paradactyly cats at all no, I don't. I what? How do you talk about Hemingway and not talk about multi-toed cats? This was this was a first for me. I was like, I'm going to do an episode that's just about these two guys. I'm not going to talk about U.S.-Cuba relations. I'm not going to talk about, you know, uh, the history of rum going back to, like, pre-colonial whatever. It's like, I'm just going to talk about one guy and the other guy, and that's it. But if there had been time, I definitely would have talked about the six-toed cats. Sounds like a sequel. Exa- there you go. Yeah. Exactly. There's always more story to tell. I mean, especially with that with that particular guy and that particular drink. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's gone through so many permutations. And it's also interesting because there's no like one kind of 
you know, quote unquote, classic way to do it. I mean, there is the classic way, but nobody does it the classic way. It's not like very few, very rarely will you find it as a frozen drink or like a slushy drink the way it was originally instructed on any menus. Like right. a, tons of people have a Hemingway daiquiri, but it's all their, you know, these these little modern updates to it, which I think is interesting. It's it's a history that is still unfolding, which is cool. Right. I mean, that's true of a lot of classic cocktails. They, they, they change in small ways over long periods of time, and then suddenly you look at the original versus the current, and they're pretty vastly different. Evolution, man. Pigeons used to be dinosaurs. Look at them now. Yeah. <laughs> Hollow bones and whatnot. <laughs> uh, as for me, it's been a pretty eventful week. Um, Do tell. Well, I mean, I guess it's been a pretty eventful few days. Uh, that article, we talked last week about how that photographer followed me around on a Sunday. The article came out in the New York Times, and man, I don't think I've had a single, this is a record-breaking day of texts for me. Whoa, nice. Yeah, yeah. So many people text me. The funny thing is, so many people texted me links to the article. <laughs> As if I was unaware <laughs> that the New York Times... They're trying Times... to be helpful. It's like, Southern man's been following you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, as if I was unaware that the New York Times had written a big old story about me. Um, so pretty flattering to be, you know, in a, a long-running series in the New York Times called uh, Sunday Routine, where they follow around a, a New Yorker and just see what they do on a Sunday. So got to take them to lots of places that I love to go. Basic uh, over in Greenpoint, um, uh, Starlight to get a steak, uh, went to Bargoto, The Drift. Like Basically, the article makes me sound like a professional alcoholic. Um, I get up in the morning and I and I go to five bars all all every Sunday, <laughs> right? Starting, I mean, starting it's, it's in it's in the Times. It's got to be accurate, right? That's right. That's the paper of note. Exactly. The gray lady. Yeah. Well, I think uh, I think uh, I think uh, uh, the photographer uh, Matchell for following me around and taking some pretty cool photos. I think Robert Simonson for writing about me in the first place is pretty. It's very flattering. Uh, and yeah, again, hundreds and hundreds of texts came through and. About, I don't know, a third of them were like, did you see this link? I'm sure you saw this already, but here it is. <laughs> did you ever, were you ever tempted to just one time write back, be like, what link? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, what paper is this? You're the, the first, New York Post? You're the first to alert me of this article. Uh, yeah. Um, so pretty cool. A busman's holiday, they called it in the paper. They, they did an online one where they said I was the bar baron. Uh, bar Baron spends his day doing what what he does, bar hopping. That's that's the one that I saw. The yeah. one in the paper says, uh, which printed paper says, um, a busman's holiday, which I had to look up. Kind of what? Is, ant- what? Ant- <laughs> yeah, kind of an antiquated <laughs> term. Honestly, I figured you'd be the kind of guy who'd know what that meant. But I looked no, it up. I've never heard that. I I would have thought that I would know that too, but I've never heard that before in my entire life. A busman's holiday is when you take a vacation or a vacation like day. But you do the thing you do for a living. So, like, if I was a photographer and I went to Japan for vacation, but I took a bunch of pictures, right? Huh. So, as a barman, the fact that I spend my day off going to a bunch of bars. Huh. So, like a workcation, I guess? I, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. That's like, Investigating. I mean, I feel like that's any time I go on the road for any sort of cocktail-related thing. It's like, I guess this is work, but I'd be doing this anyway, so. Right. <clears throat> well, you know, I think we're lucky enough that we have careers in a field where... Leisure is the job. That is so true. Uh, and speaking of leisure, yes, in the studio today, my good friend and colleague Sean Johnson. Welcome to the studio, Sean. Welcome, thank man. you. Thank you. Um, Sean used to work from work for me over at Amori Margo in the East Village, and he's left us, and now he works. Uh, 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 yeah, fuck, I was gonna try. <laughs> Hold on, I'm gonna get it. Gabriel Croyther. There you go. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> Which is a two star, two Michelin starred restaurant, and you know I don't think we've ever had on the show bartender from a Michelin starred bar. Mm. 
Um, so you're, uh, we're going to probably get into some cool stuff talking about like what it means to be Michelin star in general, but also what it means to be a bartender at a place like that. But first, um, the listeners probably need to know who the fuck you are. So <laughs> <laughs> you came here to New York how many years ago? Ooh, five years ago. It's been five years. Mm-hmm. Holy <clears throat> shit, that's a long time. Yeah. And you moved here from Seattle. Talk Correct. about what you did over in Seattle. Uh, I went to Seattle originally as a um, grad student, jewelry design and metalsmithing, and I taught at the University of Washington for a while, and they cut the program that I was teaching for, and my buddy, uh, Casey Robertson, uh, was like, I know you need a job, we have a barback position open, and I was, starts, man. Yeah, I was making more money barbacking than teaching at a university. <laughs> No joke. <laughs> Times we live in, buddy. Yeah, it was, the, it was also the age of the barback. You know, like, barbacks were making a ton of money as well. But uh, within nine months, I was actually running that program and uh, haven't really looked back since. Like, so like still, a, a, That's a fast ladder to climb. Right. From barback to running the program. Yeah. How many <clears throat> years ago was that? Fifteen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so program was probably just just coming around, and you sort of maybe were on the spearhead of it. Oh no! It was oh, no. so it was a, it was an established place. So uh, it was in Pike Place Market. It's a uh, place called Can Can Kitchen and Cabaret. We were right up the street from. Oh, and I just forgot the name, but Murray Stenson. Zigzag. Zigzag. Um, we were right up the, right up the stairs from Zigzag. So Zigzag, um, Il Bistro, and Can Can were the centers of all the cocktail exploration in Seattle at the time. Oh, right on, yeah. So um, we had a full cocktail menu. We did less than 10% of cocktail calls as classics. So, like, we didn't do old fashions, Manhattans, martinis. We did what was on the menu. And that was the same for ZigZag and Il Bistro. So it was really, like, because we were so close to Murray and Murray had that kind of, like, steam going, we had to make sure that we were like comparable to them. So I learned a lot about cocktails in right, the first that's year. Classic, that's a classic example of a high tide raising all boats. If you're right. next door to someone who's crushing it, you better start crushing it. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> you have to. Yeah, or crush or be crushed. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So that was that was like the introduction to not only bartending, but like, you know, for lack of a better term, mixology, hospitality, but also cocktail design. So, yeah, it, the, the thing that drew to, I was drawn to was really creating a menu and finding out the flavors and the profiles that people were attracted to and making sure that they were happy. So it was, yeah, it was a fun job, but it was, you know, I the wanna, first one. Yeah, I don't want to reel the clock back too far, but like day one of that barback position, what was your, <laughs> like, what was your take on cocktails in general? Was this just like, fuck, I need a job and I don't know anything about this, so I'm just going to go in and grunt it out? Or did you already have some interest? I, man, so that's a tough one. I never thought about it that way. So... Because my friends were bartenders, like I said, my friend got me the job and I would go visit him on the weekends and he would flex on me and like give me, you know, Rubicon or like a modern classic. So I, I enjoyed cocktails. I had no idea how hard they were to execute or what it took to like convince somebody to drink a cocktail. But, um, when I took the job, I was just like money first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yep. Money. Yeah. So, but then when I, as soon as that first night, I remember one. It's a cabaret bar, so there's you know, women in bikinis walking around everywhere. So that was that was the first shock. Uh, pasties, I should say. So then, but then the guy that trained me there uh, had an incredible palate. Casey too had an incredible palate. So learning flavors there on the first day, like this is what this cocktail tastes like, and this is what it shouldn't taste like, was a huge, huge learning experience, and it was welcomed for sure. 
So you said you had to like convince people to drink cocktails. Was this still in an era when people were like, you know, you, I've got daiquiris on the brain, but like, you know, someone order a daiquiri and you bring them like, you know, a properly prepared one, and they'd be like, this isn't frozen, right? Exactly. Where's, where's my yard of drink? Yes, you know? yes. It was it was the age of vodka tonic, gin and tonic. You know, it was one and ones. And if you if even if somebody ordered a martini, the more those days, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to chime in late, but I was, right? <laughs> I was pondering it. I was like one and ones. Oh yeah, those were the days. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the it wasn't as sophisticated or as educated as it is now. So it was a challenge when somebody said because I don't I don't know if maybe one in three people would know what a daiquiri was back then. Seriously, I mean it was it was. Cocktails were just becoming a thing in Seattle. So when you would put something in front of them, and we were just talking about it earlier, like you put on the menu gin and three ingredients that they have no idea what they what they are. Instead of trying to explain those three ingredients, they're like, "Forget it, I'll take this." Oh yeah, yeah. And, and still to this day, I think that's it. That's we were talking about this uh, just before we went on air about how if someone is at you know a, a restaurant and they see the chicken dish and it's chicken and then four things they don't know and have never heard of they say i like chicken i'll have that but again if they like bourbon and they see a bourbon cocktail and it's bourbon and two other things that they don't know they're like eh, 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 yes yeah. that's that's too too much risk for me exactly yeah even yeah. though the price is so low and the and the, and the drink's not going to last forever and if you hate it we'll take it away exactly the food comes out and it costs way more and you get it, you're stuck with it for longer yeah. and if you hate it too bad you hate it we prepared it correctly yeah right yeah. yeah if you don't like the drink you can get another drink if you don't like the chicken you can't get another entree right i feel right. like it's like a, it's a pretty low barrier for entry but it's still a very high mental one we got to figure out. We got to crack the code on why that is for people. Yeah. yeah. So okay, you, you you climbed the ladder at this place pretty quickly. Mm. Then you popped around and did a bunch of stuff and, mm. and some pretty notable stuff. Mm. Talk about that. Uh, so I worked at um, after opening a few bars. I worked at uh, Cannon with uh, Jamie Boudreaux. Cannon. Huge deal. Yeah. <laughs> Cannon Whiskey and Bitters Emporium. I was part of like a hire to replace Murray because it was when he broke his arm and then right. Um, yeah, so then they found the heart problem. So um, it was huge, <laughs> huge, huge shoes to fill because of the guy that worked the. So Murray was the personality, and then there was a service, and the service well guy was amazing as well, and they both kind of left at the same time. So huge, huge shoes to fill. I had met Jamie about a year prior, and was very impressed by him. I didn't understand like his uh, worth nationally, but um, I, I respected him greatly because he was a great bartender and he gave me one of the best drinks I ever had in my life. So, you know, interviewing with him was crazy. But uh, so got the job at Cannon and then we got six best bar in the world at the time. Um, I got um, top 10 most imaginable bartenders in the country um, during that time. It was like a huge, huge learning experience, and then decided to move to New York. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too big a fish for this pond. No. <laughs> I gotta go. I gotta uh, go to the biggest, meanest, swampiest pond there is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like change of pace, change of pace. I was ready for a challenge, and uh, I had been thinking about moving to New York for like three years at that point. And I think it's at least important to note that you're also, you, we're all more than one thing. Mm, yeah. You're an artist. Yes. You are a, a, a 
classically trained artist. You've done shows, gallery shows, etc. You do sculpting uh, installments that are yes. pretty massive in size. Mm. Yeah, you do some cool shit. Yeah, yeah. I had I had about five solo shows. I was represented at the time that I was working at Canon. Had three three solo shows while working forty hours a week, which was you know I was burning the candle at both ends back then. But yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's part of why you moved to New York too, right? A- absolutely. Yeah. Um, culture. I mean. Not to talk bad about Seattle, but the, it's a it's a it's a tiny community, and there was a ceiling, and I could not get through that ceiling. Right. Um, but yeah, it was just I wanted to change. I wanted a huge change, and New York was the huge change. So came out here and worked for Audrey Saunders at Pega Club. Mm-hmm. Um, worked with you and uh, Natasha David at Nightcap at the same time, and then um, basically Croyther was after like a little hiatus. I worked at Cocktail Kingdom for a little while. And then took over the bar program at Gabriel Croyther. Amazing. Well, that's a great place to take a break. We're going to pause for a second and hear from our sponsors. We'll come back and keep talking to Sean Johnson about what it's like to be a bartender at a two Michelin star restaurant and bar. All right. This episode is brought to you by New York Mutual Trading, the premier Japanese food, alcoholic beverage, and restaurant supply specialist. Mutual Trading is the Japanese food authority, true to the heart in upholding genuine Japanese food traditions and progressive in exploring new ways to provide innovative restaurant supplies and services. They import, export, distribute, and manufacture the top brands for retailer and food service customers nationwide. Learn more at nymtc.com. And we're back on the speakeasy. Uh, we got Sean Johnson in the room, uh, working, uh, been working at the bar at Gabriel Croyther. Mm-hmm. Man, I, I stumble over <laughs> it every time. It. Nailed it. I keep wanting to say Crowther, like Crowther Liquor, you know, because I deal with that stuff all the time. Anyway, Gabriel Croyther, which just received this past year, it's second Michelin star. Two years, we kept it this past Oh, we kept year. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a feat in its, right, in its own right yes. as well, right? Yes. <clears throat> um, what's, what's the, what's, the, it's got to be a fucking pressure cooker. What's, <laughs> what's it like to work at, at a doubly Michelin star place? But first. Yeah. I'm going to pour this drink you brought us. All right. It's a scaffa, which I think you brought because you know I love them. Absolutely. Scaffa, tell, <laughs> tell people what a scaffa is and tell what's in the glass and tell me what I'm doing. Yeah, so uh, GK Scaffa uh, on our menu at Gabriel Kreuther, um is um, an Omont. So we have an elevated classic section of the menu where I take a classic cocktail and kind of reformulate it to the impetus of or the 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 way of being at Gabriel Croyther. So reimagine ethos. ethos. There we go. Yeah. That's the word I was scrambling for. Um, so a scaffa is traditionally a room temperature cocktail with no dilution. Usually involves a high proof spirit, a bitters or amaro of some sort, and just a light smattering of a lengthener. And um, so with this scaffa, we had a dish that was like a chipotle duck set. And um, we were work. I was working with our CDC, and he was telling me about the dish and telling me about the market things that he was getting. And one was this really amazing chipotle pepper. So I asked him if I could use it. 
I infused scotch with it, Westward whiskey scotch, and um, basically tried to make a cocktail that would pair really well with this duck dish. So this scafa is Chipotle um, infused Westward whiskey, Amaro del Etna, um, Tempest Fugit, creme de cacao, and a little bit of bourbon. Damn. Wow. Cool. You have to tell me that rundown again off the air so I can get it. Yeah. <laughs> I know we're both we're both and taking the, and, the, and the proportions <laughs> and the proportions. Mm. Okay, so first of all, a lot of things pop into my head when you said all that stuff. Mm. First, it sounds like this is really delicious. Uh, first, it sounds like um, you know that first sip you don't really get the sense of it, right? And then the and second then... sip, and we're on the fucking radio, so I got it. Like nobody can see what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, Sounds like you're getting to do some cool collaborations with a kitchen that is really on point. Yeah, it's been it's been the highlight so far. Of like, it, that was a huge selling point when they offered me the job. Was I wanted the opportunity to work with a world class kitchen, highest level ingredients, and you know, kind of like there is no ceiling. I, I can whatever's in my head. If I can figure out a logistical way to do it, it's it's done. And they've been really supportive of you know, I when I took over the program, it had kind of like. Uh, leveled out and um, there is there is that thing that we were talking about earlier they have a consumer base that is set in their ways and they allowed me to like I mean I had to come up with some of the strategies but like okay you enjoy a dirty martini well can I offer you or would you like to try our version of a dirty martini because we offer an experience not just a meal not just a cocktail we try to offer an experience that Hopefully they'll remember for the rest of their lives. So um, this one, the Scafa, was like the ultimate like nightcap. So we kind of sell it at the restaurant as like, thank you so much for coming. Would you like to have this? Because it also, you didn't get to see it here, but it's a smoked cocktail. So Ooh. I filled a glass with smoke and at the table kind of unfurl the smoke with a like a wave of a wand. And uh, they, they leave with that in their head and in their, you know, Stomachs. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Um, like, again, I want to talk about what I... What I you also mentioned that, that you wanted to work at, at, a, at a world-class kitchen. Was that... That was a goal of yours, to work at a restaurant? You wanted to a be restaurant. in a restaurant bar? Yes, yes. I Yeah, absolutely. Canon had food, but it yeah. wasn't a restaurant, was it? No, no. Jamie very much sells it as a, a restaurant with a bar. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or a bar with a restaurant. But I, mean, I feel like I've eaten stuff there, but it's always been like I'm having a bow bun or... Bone, some bone marrow, like a snack, and then yeah. I'm gonna keep drinking because that's what this place is all well, about. Well, that's it's... what you want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can eat. You, yeah, there's, there's, there's like like four entrees on the menu over there, and and that was that was the first time in a singular place where I realized what I enjoyed about bartending because it was a curation. It wasn't pacifying. It wasn't just babysitting. It was like I am here because I heard about this place and I want the best experience I can possibly have. So when they would sit in front of me at Cannon. I would listen to what they were saying, what they were interested in, and I would curate their night throughout the night, get them the best dish that they would enjoy, get them a pairing with a cocktail that they would enjoy, and just keep adding on and adding on. So when, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was thinking about the next job that I wanted, I, I wanted to get back to that. I wanted to get back to engaging with the customer instead of just, you know, bartenders can talk you into a great night. I wanted, I wanted what I offered them to give them a great night. 
Gotcha. So what is what is the strategy for that? Because yeah, I mean it's it's not you can't just say you know someone's like oh I'll have a Tito's and soda you can't just be like no nah, you don't want that right that, yeah <laughs> like how do what are your yeah. what are your Jedi mind tricks to kind of get people to, to get on board to have the experience that you want them to have you got to from from go you have to address them at the door you have to understand why they're why they're setting foot in your you know place of business so. Our, our bar faces the door and I, as much as I can, try to see who's coming towards the bar. And if it's a business meeting, I kind of stay back, you know, like let, let them do what they're doing as long as they have a great time, go. But if somebody's like wide-eyed as they come in, they grab the menu with earnest and they're like searching for something that they want and then they go, I'll take a vodka soda. Hey, I noticed you spent a little time with the menu. Would you like to try something we do really well here? You know, like I, I, I always ask, would you like to enjoy something that we do really well to get that kind of like crack in the door? I think that's very intuitive of you to notice that they poured over the menu and then still ordered vodka soda. Right. And then to follow up with a question that's a little bit more, um, I don't know, engaging, hosting. Right. Right. You're saying like, you, without saying it, you're saying, I saw you pour through the menu, mm-hmm. and yet you still ordered vodka soda, which you could have ordered without pouring through the menu. Right, right. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's, it's part of it. They, like they, That shows that they are interested. So there are some people that just push the menu aside. You know, you're going to have those people as well. But you have to pay attention to your guests. You have to, like, not just engage, but, like, get a feel for, really listen to what they're, they're asking for and why they're in your establishment. Yeah. I think that's that's a power, that's that's strong for me as well, mm. right? I, I think you know you probably saw that working with me, but like, I I always want to drive people to the best experience they can have, yeah. And I do that through the drinks, mm. but also through the atmosphere, through right. you know, like all the steps that we do at, at, of service. And I'm sure you have a lengthy list of steps of service at at a place like absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't get them two stars for nothing. No. <laughs> um, so. Talk a little bit more about like accessibility of ingredients and things like, you know, I was a chef for a long time and I worked in in a lot of cool restaurants. Um, And in some of them, we had um, like a little bit of an, I wouldn't say unlimited budget, but like a little bit of a sky high budget for the dishes that we could make based on other things. Like when I worked in hotel, like the hotel is basically paying for everything. Mm -hmm. So the guest is just there to like cover the cost. Right. So you can like throw down some crazy food and charge kind of what seems too low. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but when you're in a place like this where people are coming in and they're expecting to spend some dough, mm-hmm. you have to put some things on the menu, some jewels, right? So do you have like a lot of access to things that maybe, um, you know, even, even a nice bar, a sixth best bar in the world, maybe wouldn't, wouldn't feel comfortable putting on the menu or? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long question for a short answer. Okay, moving on. <laughs> and next? No, but okay, so the, 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 the short answer is no. The long answer is yes, the kitchen. You know, like that's that the long answer is absolutely the kitchen. I I have access to chefs that live this, you know, so um, I get to I just read an article that uh, Chef Croyther sent me about um, how uh, fine dining restaurants should pay more attention to their cocktail program. Yes, I've been banging that drum for years. Yeah, Um, because you're going to drop a ton of money and then what you want at the end of the day or at the end of your meal is another cocktail. And there's some places in New York even where you have to go to a different place to get a great cocktail. So uh, I I was reading through the article and it, it basically said like, why aren't more bartenders utilizing the tools that the kitchen uses? And from day one, maybe not day one, but after they got to know me a little bit, 
the chefs were all like, yeah, you can use that. Can I, can, would you like to try this? So, so they that, invited you in. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I, hopefully I earned it and I, I earned their respect because, you know, they're a tight knit group. They're a family and they invited me to part, be a part of their family. And it's been an honor to do that. But so to go back to your question, that, um, Canon had everything. I mean, Canon had uh, yeah, literally I re- everything. I thought of that as, as I said it. <laughs> Jamie's a hoarder and, uh, and a collector. I, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I put my well, foot fa- in my mouth when I said that. The fact that one that. of the casual snacks you just rattled off was bone marrow. Like, yeah. I've never been there, but I was like, I bet it's a pretty... I bet there's some no, good solid. stuff on the menu there. Yeah, yeah there's, and some, the, there's and some pictures the, of me eating the bone marrow. Yeah, and the bone yeah. marrow, like, if you were sitting in front of me, you did a luge. I don't... I don't that's yeah. the picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'll find it and put it on the Instagram. I'll put it on the Instagram post. I'll find it. Um, so, so that's that's all that that's been a challenge ever since working at Canon. It's like because if I wanted one ingredient out of a bottle, I knew where to find it at Canon. There's been, especially running this program, I had to really kind of re-strategize and be like, okay, I want something acidic, but I don't want it to be too boozy and whatever. Um, but the kitchen has been like so helpful and the the most recent collaboration we did was uh valentine's day where the 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 challenge was i had to literally take a component of a dish and translate it to a cocktail and not just translate it use the actual component so like they had a smoke smoke parsnip puree in one of the dishes so i took that puree made it a foam and that went on top of like a cognac chocolate drink but um that's that's happy valentine's day yeah Yeah. right (laughs) um but that that's what i that's what i get to have at this restaurant that maybe not every like great cocktail bar has now i get a lot of collaboration on like use of ingredients and stuff like that and even use of tools but are you getting any like mentorship are they being like hey you can use the sous vide or are they saying like hey can i help you use the sous vide like are do you understand these tools enough to get into it on your own or do you need their guidance and are they willing to offer it do they have fucking time because I know when I was a chef, I'd be like, get out of my way, dude. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking busy, and I've never missed a service, so we got 45 minutes to get this shit together, and right. you're in the way. Yeah. It's, no, uh, they've been, Chef Joe specifically, our CDC, has been really, um, like a steward, I guess. You know, like, he, if he has time, we do it together. If he doesn't, he'll tell one of the sous chefs, you got to team up with Sean and get this thing done. Um, half of the stuff that they have I already knew how to use because of Canon. <laughs> Canon has like everything that they have to Truth. Right. Um, and then the other stuff, it, it, slow process, like how not to rush anything, not no deadlines. Like how do we come together to make this actually work? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. This drink, by the way, is getting better with every sip. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, did you mention the name of it? What do you call it? GK Scapa. So GK, okay. yeah, the Gabriel Kreuther Scapa. Understood. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking delicious. It's got these like lingering, almost chocolatey notes at the finish, and like that's slight smoky from the chipotle. Like this is, I could see this. I could see I this might going sip well on for that. a long time. Yeah, <laughs> and with that duck too, because duck is just such a like you know like decadent, right. rich meat. Like you would want something that's like matches that decadence, but also has some heat and some oomph that could kind of cut right. through it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This pretty, is great, man. It's pretty dope. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank How you. long have you been on the bar there? Uh, a little over two years. It's been two years. Yeah, <laughs> that, that means I haven't seen your face in two years. It's about. It's been about that long. I think about it Bec- often because I I definitely haven't seen you since you had the job. We've, right. we've communicated, texted, whatever. Yeah, we've tried to meet up a couple of times and it just fell through. Yeah, we but go to different churches. Have, we go to different churches. Where <laughs> <laughs> are you hanging out on Sundays? I'm watching football, homie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, for, I forgot. You love the football. 
Um, so you wanted to talk about uh, off the air. You mentioned you wanted to talk about it's like menu development and in, in the context of the space you're in. What, tell me more what what you mean by that. Like, like how do you tie those two together? So at, the, at this place, and you have to at this place. Absolutely, right? yeah. <clears throat> you, you can't be like I'm going to make all these crazy drinks and right. then the kitchen's making food and the two things don't match exactly. up, right? Exactly. Or yeah. the experience itself doesn't match up, right? Right. Um, one, of the, one of the things I've tried to do uh, for years now is like w- look at cocktail menus when I go to a place, normally a cocktail bar, but also when, when a restaurant has a bar program and really kind of try to understand why these cocktails are on the menu because I don't want to think, especially because of the passion that I have for it, I do not like thinking about cocktails as an afterthought. I want it to be a part of the experience. So how do I bring that into my own? Like I went to London and Paris <clears throat> last summer and um Yeah, I saw your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh I thought I thought it was there were two or three places that I went to where it was like top to bottom, in and out, the best program that I had ever been like had the opportunity to enjoy. And I wanted, when I, when I came back from that experience, I was really inspired. And I had already decided when I worked at, when I, while I was working at Kreuther that I want the beverage program to match the food because the food is just amazing. Had it not in the, in the past before you were there? I don't believe so. Hmm. Um, did, you, it, did you archive and look at some menus and be like, eh, this doesn't seem to make sense? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, and there was, there were, it, it was a, it was a disconnect. It was, that's the bar. That's the restaurant. And it was a great bar, but the restaurant was miles away. It was miles away. So I wanted to close that gap. And I, I, when I got back from London, I was like, okay, I want to close the gap even harder. I want, I, want, I want every cocktail to come out and be that kind of experience, just like every dish that comes out of the kitchen. <clears throat> so, yeah, the, the, how, how do we as bartenders and, you know, Beverage directors really kind of... Hospitality specialists. Yeah. <laughs> you said that earlier, and I yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, we're yeah. hospitality specialists. Yeah. It's what we do. You know, like, it's what we do. It's what we're paid for, and it's what we get tips for, you know, to ensure prompt service. But, like, that's... We are... We are I think we are making an experience for somebody, short or long or, you know, however brief. But um, how do we? how do we get these programs... To a point where, like, you can engage with it multiple times a week or multiple times a year, and still be excited about it, and you know, make it make it great. And how do you do that? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm still learning. Give us the give us the give us the three easy steps to the Sean Johnson method. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still learning, but I mean, the big one is engage. Like, you have to engage. You cannot you cannot make an experience in a bubble. I don't think you know, like. Yeah, you got to be heads up service. You got to be engaging people, looking them in the eye, smiling at them, talking to them, getting, not, getting them into it. Not just that, but look at your surroundings. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, the 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 glassware that we have at Gabriel Corther would not fit here. <laughs> you know, at like Roberta's Pizza. Right. So so th- there's that. You yeah. know, how are you engaging with with the world around you, and 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 how does it fit, and why does it fit? What type what type of cocktails do you specialize in? If it's a bourbon place, why do you have three different, like, mezcal or spicy margaritas? Is it because it's a fad, or are you looking for the thing next? Because I think a lot of cocktail programs fall short of that. Yeah, I do too. Um, 
how do you feel about like the notion that the folks who are coming to a place like Croyder uh, 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 are um, they're in an echelon of of you know available spending money mm-hmm. that may be beyond you know most of us here in this room yeah. or the people listening. Yeah. Um, and they may you know I don't know how to exactly put this, but when I worked in in some nicer places, there were faces that we'd see often. Meaning they treat the place kind of like a diner. They go there as often as I go to the you know the local empanada joint. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's just like a yeah. normal thing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course there are those folks who like saved up all year and this is their one big yes. go. Right. Yeah. Like, Valentine's Day, man. This is the one I'm going to spend that money. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you feel about engaging those two separate categories of people? Right. Um, or do you you know do you consider it? Absolutely consider it. I absolutely consider it. Um, the the one of the things that I like I've tried to do is like. Understand where it's part of engaging. Understand where I am, and that what you said about somebody saving up all year. There are people that definitely do that that come to GK. They walk in, and it's their anniversary, and they've been waiting so long to do this. Mm-hmm. So you like thank you first of all. Like that's how, that's how you should approach them. Thank you so much for sharing this moment with us, and we hope that we can make a great experience for you. For the people that come in like it's a diner, which we have plenty of, um, we 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 try to find a new thing to show them every time, which can get challenging because you know we have regulars that have been there a hundred times wow. in four years. You know, oh my god, yeah. So literally, like there, <laughs> we have a guy that has been there 160 times in four years. Um, so when we when we engage with him, it's does he want anything different? <laughs> Yeah. Does he want that same dish that he had last time? Like we 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 do at Kreuther, like investigate. Like he only wants this. Make sure it's available. Make sure we have it. And then if he wants something new, we are ready with that new thing. So it's 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 all about just engaging and finding out. Which do you think is the greater challenge? I I I always felt the pressure when I was a chef, especially uh, of that the when you listed first the advanced res right mm-hmm. the one who made their reservation six months ago they've been thinking about coming here for six months yeah mm-hmm. how am I gonna make sure I don't fucking drop the ball <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on them you know one sixty hey one sixty he'll be he'll be here one sixty one no worries yeah yeah right? <laughs> but these guys this is their first time in a six month out reservation like how do you that for me was such a as a chef especially that was such a pressure yeah like that that drove me to be exacting it also drove me insane yeah it drove me to like be a bad person to the people i worked with <laughs> you know i was I, you know i was that stereotypical chef like i shouted i threw things like mm-hmm. i was that guy yeah um i i tend to enjoy the, the the former i enjoy the first time i enjoy the the six months out because they're receptive and they're they're ready for something they are they yeah. are prepared for something, um, and that's and to be honest with you, when you when you approach those reservations that way, they will be back, you know, because yeah. we'll find something that they've never had, or they'll we'll just leave a mark on them that they will want to replace or not replace but enjoy Beat, again. Yeah. yeah, the the one sixty is like, um, you know, it's it's not business as usual. You want to still give the same service, but. The, the 70th time you've given them the same martini. Like I, I heard a, I heard a story about a celebrity that when he makes a reservation, they freeze a bottle of Hendrix. And if it's not frozen, like he won't drink that martini. Like that would just get monotonous after a certain amount of time, you know, like 
Oh, he's coming in. Better put that Hendrix in the fridge. You know, like. But think about that. You know, that's monotonous to you. Mm-hmm. But for him, that's comforting. Oh, totally. No, I'm saying as a as a, you know, like the person giving the service. You ask like which I prefer. Oh, right. I see. I see. I see. Um. Yeah. No. We. Yeah. We want to give that comfort. But after right, you come 160 times. This is home. Yes. Oh yeah. yes. Like I'm. Yeah. So I'm gonna kick. I'm kicking my shoes off. At yeah. This point. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and and like, how. It's Gabe to me. What's up, Gabe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in. <laughs> you just reminded me of like three regulars. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also the best, right? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. you know that they're comfortable. That makes you comfortable. That makes the space comfortable. If they're sitting at the bar, I'm sure that they engage people around them and make them comfortable. Right. Right? Yeah. So you need you need both of these absolutely, sets. absolutely, absolutely, and but they both carry a different set of of uh, parameters of stress level. Yes, in in this high high stress environment, like Michelin stars, like make people do stupid, crazy things. Yeah, <laughs> up to and including the worst case scenario. Yeah, right. Yeah, so that's yeah. a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. How much of that pressure do you feel from the chef? Um, a decent amount. I mean, it, it's it's. Not the worst amount of pressure I've ever felt, but it's 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 a constant pressure. There's never like a release. Like when I at Canon, there was like menu menu flips were the most stressful mm-hmm. of any time. I'm I'm pretty like okay, we got this week to look forward to, <laughs> you know. And then at like after this week, then I have you know there's an event on March fifteenth. Then there's you know whatever. Bam, bam, bam. Like, I St. Patty's Day? You guys doing green beer? What? Oh, yeah, man. I mean, <laughs> going for that third star, baby. Hides in March. Yeah. Let, let me be clear. We are not having green beer. <laughs> <laughs> no, so so I it's it's a pressure because I want to live up to that standard. Mm-hmm. I think I think that it's a self it's a self-induced pressure, but it's kind of how I live my life. I mean, you know me, like if you tell me you want something, I don't go half-ass, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, because it's, it's a, it's a high stress environment. It's not the most stressed I've ever been, but it gets up there, but it's because I want it to be great. What about volume? What's the volume? I've never been. Uh huh. You invited me to come sit at the bar. I just, I've never had time in two years, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. No, it's all good. (laughs) Um, so we got 13 seats at the bar. We have, um, so the bar lounge area is one kind of like, sectioned off area there's eight tables in the lounge and then the main dining room is the same amount of size more tables because there's no bar correct then we have a chef's table and then a private dining room and one bar services all patrons we have a we have a private bar for the for the pdr yeah 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 yeah. but the one bar services all that yeah two wells lounge yeah yeah two wells personality well service well yeah and a lot of times it's just me. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question, service. actually. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask about volume first to see like what it's like to get the job done. Yeah. Um, and how many? So let's finish on that. But how many? How many guests are we talking on any given weekday and weekend night? Week weekday. Um, you know, it's fine. Dining. You know, going. You walk in and you're like we got we got 180 on the books or whatever. You know what's coming. Yeah, but the lounge takes walk-ins. Mm. So a lot of times uh, midweek, especially because we work at we're at the base of an office building. So it's happy hour. Oh yeah. Ooh. So we get happy hour crowd, and um, so we can do. Well, let's say it's twenty five for the lounge, seventy for the main dining room. 
uh, on a Tuesday, Wednesday, that 25 could get up to 60. Oof. Yeah. The lounge, and, the lounge and, could just overflow. Yeah. Um, uh, and do you offer a happy hour at this place? No. No, no. But it's no, happy it's, hour. Yeah. Time of day. Yeah. Need a drink. This yeah. w- this place is closed. Let's go. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Do those do those folks go? Th- do they like get the the menus and flip through them and are like, ooh, a scoffa? Like, I'll take one of those at five thirty in the afternoon after a long <laughs> yeah. day's work. It's t- yes. Sometimes they do. Uh, when I first started, no, they wouldn't even look at the menu. Um, I've I've introduced steps of service that uh, well, I, I didn't introduce them. I <laughs> was guided to do steps of service so that we could get them to open the menu because one it's more efficient i mean mm-hmm. like you know yeah you want people to order your menu it's easier to read a menu than to write one yeah exactly um so uh more recently now there have been people catching on um after about six months of this job people really started to pay attention to the cocktails a little bit more and now it's probably like i'd say oh man it's tough when it's hot outside but um because if it's sunny, they want like the most crushable thing ever, and they don't care what it is. Yeah. Uh, but normally, it's probably like one in three people really get into the menu and order directly off the menu. That's super cool, man. I'm sure yeah, that's a call. percent too. I'm sure if someone's just coming in for a drink, they're like, "Oh, that was delicious." I, I and and those, you know, that lamb looked good too. Maybe I'll come back it's, and try uh, yeah. it again later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because it's full service at the. At the bar as well. It, that's it's huge. It's it's what we try to do. Like, get them get them seated and then show them what we offer and get them back. You know. Yeah. So my follow up question was, sounds like there's a lot of prep going on. Mm-hmm. How big is the bar team? The bar team is five right now. I've got two. I I think they're all bartenders, but I've trained. I've literally trained two of them to be bartenders. They were not bartenders at all. Didn't know how to make a drink at all. Um, and they're five amazing people so we have um i i try to streamline as much as possible i try to do as as little waste as possible the infusions that we do tend to be less than an hour so it's it's just super easy okay we can get that done in a few hours and our prep is done yeah smoked table side smoked parsnip foam cocktail super easy super easy (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. basic simple shit like that bang it out Uh, Sean, it's been a delight to have you on, um, uh, and we didn't even really get to talk about your art, which I, I want to talk about, you know, maybe off the air, because um, I, I want to know that you're still doing art, yeah? Yeah, You yeah. got to be. I know you're yeah. the type of person that, that shit's inside you, and it's clawing its way out all the yeah. time, right? Yeah, um, And that, I, I hope, shows up in your work, and I hope you feel fulfilled when you're doing it. Yeah, thank um, you. If anybody wants to see your works, both art and drink, how can they see that? You got an Instagram you want to plug, or? Yeah, Instagram is Johnson underscore M underscore Sean. S-E-A-N. Yeah, S-E-A-N. And then my website is the reverse with dashes. So Sean-M-Johnson.com. Right on. And I'm sure your Instagram probably has a link to your website anyway. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll put that on the Instagram that we, that we do every week for the show as well. Um, and uh, and then what about the, the restaurant? They got Instagram or anything you want to put out there? Uh, Gab K N Y C. Uh, Gabriel Corther is the, he just opened his own Instagram, so I, I can't remember which one's which, but Gabriel Corther is the first hit that comes up when you search. Got it. Yeah. And that's the Make restaurant. sure you don't search Crowther or whatever you do. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Completely different. <laughs> Spelled the same. <laughs> Spelled the same. Uh, well, man, it's been a real delight having you on. Uh, I'm glad we got to catch up a little bit beforehand as well because I, I've missed seeing your face. Uh, we're overdue to hang. Maybe maybe one of these Sundays we'll do church together. Yes, when please. Yeah. Football season's over, it right? It is over. It is All over. All right. Well, there we go. Uh, maybe this coming Sunday at Bargoto. There we go. Um, uh, well, that's it for this week's episode of The Speakeasy. We will see you next week. Thanks, guys. Cheers. 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 Oh, with your rock. <laughs>
and roll load knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.